0: Welcome to the pastor's study.
1: For this half hour I want to tell you the story of the Promised Land and once I've told the story to draw five lessons from that for our personal lives. So let me quickly tell you the story of the Promised Land. About 2000 BC nobody was worshiping the true God. Everybody were pagan idolaters and God wants to reveal himself to a people so he chooses one pagan idolater in Babylon by the name of Abraham and he says Abraham I want you to leave your country leave your gods leave your family and go over to the promised land that I promise to give you and your descendants and you're gonna have more children than the stars fill the skies so Abraham up and leaves he heads for the land of Israel He lives in a tent but eventually he becomes very wealthy and then Years years later, his descendants are serving Pharaoh in slavery in Egypt for 400 years, but God's going to keep his promise, sends Moses to get him out of slavery in Egypt, moves them out, you know the story, the Red Sea parts, they start going toward the Promised Land, they get the Ten Commandments, but then they worship the Golden Calf, so they have to worship for 40, they have to wander for 40 years. Finally, God's about to bring the Jews back to the Promised Land, but God says, Moses, you can't go in. Because of the way you sinned against me at the waters of Meribah, you can't go in. So God takes Moses on top of the mountain. He gets, Moses gets to see the promised land from a distance. Then he dies. Now it's jo- Joshua's job to get them into the promised land. They cross the river Jordan. They, you know the story, they surround the city of Jericho. They blow the trumpets. Supernaturally, the walls fall down. Joshua goes in, invades, and they overtake Jericho, and then they fight from city to city to city, and they get the promised land. That is the story of the Old Testament promised land. The exodus happened about 1300 B.C., and then they get the, the land back. So what I want to do now is share with you spiritual lessons from, for our lives from that, that story. Let, let, let's pray first. Father, we, I think, each want to enter the promised land. And some people think the way you enter it is not the way they're really going to get in. And we would pray, Lord, you'd clear up any misconceptions. And Lord, help us have faith and trust in you that you're the one that gets us to the promised land. We ask you to speak to us now, in Jesus' name. Amen. Lesson number one from the promised land. (coughs) The promised land... Is promised, God promises Abraham, you're going to get this land, and God kept His promise. He got it. You know, now and then I'll, I will have been at somebody's deathbed. Well, Mister So and So, are, are you sure you're going to heaven? Hope so, Pastor. Well, how do you think somebody gets in? Oh, I hope I've been good enough. <laughs> and I got to say, that's not that's not the way you get in. Nobody's good enough. We deserve hell. It's only by Christ's death on the cross. And there are sometimes when people do trust in Christ, they're saved, but they're not sure. And I got to say to them, the promised land is promised. This is not a maybe thing. If you trust in Christ, your sins are forgiven. It's a sure thing. It's a promise. I think there are probably three kinds of people watching this TV show right now. Number one, you're sure you're going to heaven, and you should be, because you do trust in Christ alone. Number two kind of person, maybe you're not sure you're going to heaven, but you should be, because you're trusting in Christ. But I bet there's the third kind of person watching this show, you're sure you're going to heaven, and you're not, because you're not trusting in Christ. There's an old Negro spiritual that goes like this. Everybody talking about heaven ain't going there. <laughs> I remember a lady came up, Pastor Brock, I was so upset. I went to my uncle's funeral, a godless man. But the pastor said to everybody at the funeral, we know Uncle Joe's in heaven because he was baptized as a baby. Is that right? And I said, no, that's not right. That's the, the Lutheran heresy I've said on this show before is, you get baptized as a baby, you got your ticket, you're in. But for the Baptists out there, can I tell you what the Baptist heresy is? I prayed the prayer. I I asked Jesus into my heart. I'm in. And what does Jesus say to the Lutheran and the Baptist heresy? He who endures to the end will be saved. I mean, I think baptism is a great thing. I think praying the prayer and accepting Christ is a great thing. But he who endures to the end will be saved. The way we get into the promised land is through Christ and trusting in him till we die. Next lesson from the promised land. The promised land is undeserved. If anybody deserved to enter the promised land, it was Moses. You know that the Bible says, Now Moses was the most humble man on the face of the earth, and he didn't get in. I think maybe that symbolizes you don't get in by being good. I had an argument with a woman a while ago. And she said, I don't believe we're all sinners. I don't believe we all deserve to go to hell. Do you think Mother Teresa deserved to go to hell? And I said, I bet she would have told you that. Nobody gets in by being good because nobody is good. We're sinners. You know, I, when I do a funeral and somebody comes up to me before the service and says, you know, Pastor Brock, do you mind if I get up for a few minutes and, and talk about Aunt Gertrude? I always get nervous because sometimes they take a long time and you don't even feel like preaching by the time she's done. But you know another reason I get nervous? Sometimes they'll get up and say, well I know my aunt Gertrude is in heaven because she was such a good person. And then I got to get up and do what I do at every funeral. I say nobody is in heaven because they're good. We are sinners. The only way into the promised land is by what Jesus did on the cross period. (laughs) The fact that Moses didn't get into the promised land, I think, symbolizes you can't get in by how good you are. Another lesson from the promised land. You enter the promised land supernaturally. Remember, um, it was the when they blew the trumpets, that's when the wall fell down. God pushed those walls down so they could go into Jericho. And listen, the way you get into heaven is not by what you do. Jesus is the one that knocked that wall down between God and I. He's the one, supernaturally, who gets me into the promised land. It's not something I did, it's something he did. Next thing about the promised land. You must fight to enter the promised land. Um, remember after they got in then town by town they had to fight to conquer the entire promised land let me ask you this is being a christian a fight for you Do you feel like you're always fighting the world your flesh and the devil that's a good sign that means you're a christian but do you never fight you're very comfortable you live in the world your flesh is fine you know you never battle then you gotta ask yourself Are you really heading toward the promised land? Because the Bible teaches a crucial part of you following Christ is fighting. The Apostle Paul is an old man writing his last letter that we have, 2 Timothy, and he says to Timothy, Timothy, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness. The Apostle Paul fought to get into the promised land. You have to fight. You know, sometimes people have confessed their sins to me. And if they're sorry for their sins, and Mr. So-and-so, do you wanna ask God to forgive you and get up again and start fighting that sin of yours? Not that you'll necessarily win every battle, but are you willing to fight? If they say yes, there's all kinds of hope for those people. There's forgiveness of sins every time we fall, if you're willing to trust Christ and get up and fight. But on the other hand, there's people like this, I'm not gonna fight my sin. In fact, I don't think it is a sin. Uh, uh, Don't tell me it's a sin, judge not. Those are the people who have stopped fighting and their soul is in trouble. I shared this on a previous show, I will again. I used to be a a pastor in the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, the very liberal branch of Lutheranism. There's the Missouri Synod Lutherans and the Wisconsin Synod Lutherans are more biblical and conservative. ELCA is very liberal. Well, recently, The ELCA Lutheran Church came out with a gay marriage liturgy so Lutheran pastors could marry homosexual couples. Who put that together? Uh, The person that helped put that together is a Lutheran pastor who's the assistant to the head bishop nationally of the ELCA. He's the head for worship over the entire church nationally. He's a man married to a man. And I, I wrote an article on this and I got a lot of heat But I I struggle with same-sex attraction, but for the sake of Christ, I don't go there. And I I said, 1 Corinthians 6, fornicators, adulterers, homosexuals will not inherit the kingdom of God. There was a time in the Lutheran church, if you were living in impenitent sin, they would gently, loving you, uh, uh, urge you to repent. Not anymore. Now we put them in leadership. And the point of my article is, this guy's soul's in trouble. And we put him over the entire church's worship. This guy's soul's in trouble. And... Why is it in trouble? Because he won't fight. He's not fighting his sin. He's living in it. Read 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. If you're a heterosexual living with your boyfriend or girlfriend, fornicators will not inherit the kingdom of God. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. You've got to fight. Last lesson about the Promised Land the Promised Land flows with milk and honey. That's God's way of saying it's great. (laughs) In Exodus 3 God says to Moses the land you're gonna lead these people to is flowing with milk and honey. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 12 that he got caught up to heaven once. He saw paradise. He can't even utter the things that he saw. That's how great it's gonna be. The reason we fight to get into the Promised Land, it's gonna be incredible. I remember years ago a lady named um, Gertrude actually uh, of our church was dying and I saw her in the hospital and I came to the church that night there was a Wednesday night prayer meeting and I said to the people let's pray for Gertrude and somebody prayed that God would heal Gertrude and grant her more time on earth and my eyes were closed and this doesn't happen to me I kinda saw something when my eyes were closed Gertrude was in this dark dusty room standing in front of a closed door. On the other side of the door was this beautiful white paradise, but our prayers for her healing were pulling her back into the dark room. And I said to the people at church that night, if we could see what's on the other side of that door, we'd let Gertrude go. And and she did go that week. You know, I've said this before, but I'll say it again. When you and I are in heaven, we're gonna look back and say, why did I scratch and claw to stay down there? we fight because it's worth it. I have this book called Slave Songs of the United States and now and then I'll get up my guitar and I'll sing some of these songs that the slaves sang back in America in the 16, 17, 1800s they had horrible lives but you know what they'd sing about? The Promised Land. I got a key to the kingdom I got a key. Oh, yes, I have. I got a key to the kingdom and the world can't do me no harm. When I can read my title clear on mansions in the sky, I will say farewell to every fear and wipe my weeping eye. I got a robe. You got a robe. All God's children got a robe. When I get to heaven, I'm going to put on my robe. I'm going to wear it all over God's heaven. I am bound for the promised land, I'm bound for the promised land. Oh, who will go and go with me? I am bound for the promised land. And then the one everybody knows, I looked over Jordan and what did I see? Coming for to carry me home, a band of angels coming after me. Coming for to carry me home, swing low, sweet cherry. (laughs) My point is this. It's gonna be great. Even these people that were so downtrodden in in American history knew the way you get through it all is by remembering that the promised land is promised. And who here's uh, my my last point? How do you get into the promised land? The promised land is promised, but it's only promised to those who will not trust themselves and how good they are. The people that get into the promised land are those that are trusting the Savior and how good he is, and his mercy and his grace is what gets me into heaven. Grace alone, by faith in Christ alone. Amen.
2: Welcome to the portion of the Pastor's Study where we now ask Pastor Brock to share with us his knowledge of Scripture and his insights to answer questions we have regarding the Bible, our Lord, and our everyday walk with him. Pastor Brock, you said that Moses didn't get into the Promised Land, so I guess my first question for you today is, is Moses in heaven?
1: Yes, now that's a different issue. We know he's in heaven. Okay. Because, if you remember, when Jesus, before Jesus died, he took three of his disciples on top of the mountain called the Transfiguration. Remember how he started to shine mm-hmm. real brightly? Who appeared to him on the Mount of Transfiguration? Moses and Elijah from the Old Testament. So Moses and Elijah are in heaven. Uh, what I meant by that is he didn't get into the promised land on earth. He did get into the promised land in heaven.
2: Okay. Yeah. I guess I'm not sure how to word this, but isn't it kind of arrogant for a Christian to say they know for sure they're saved?
1: You know, you get that sometimes, and, and it depends. I mean, if, if somebody thinks they're getting to heaven because they're such a good person, they don't get it. But Jackie, here's the deal. I know I am a sinner. I know I deserve hell because of my sin. I also know for sure I'm going to heaven because my salvation doesn't depend on me and how good I am, hallelujah. It depends on what Jesus did on the cross. By grace alone, I am saved. So I know, even though I have my doubts, I have to die. One way I fight my doubts is by taking Holy Communion. Another way is by getting Christian fellowship. Another way is by praying. I mean, I got my doubts, but I know ultimately I'm saved because it depends on Christ. And that's not arrogant. And the reason it's not arrogant, because it's not me that did it. He did it, you know.
2: You kind of, I was going to ask you a second part to that question, and you kind of sort of answered it. How can anyone know for sure that they will go to hell?
1: Right, and and I'll say this to the people. I wasn't sure I was saved, and I was saved. But somebody pointed out 1 John 5.13, not John, but back by Revelation, 1 John 5.13. If you're not sure you're saved, and you are trusting in Christ, First John 5.13, underline that in your Bible. I write this to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. I didn't grow up knowing that. I didn't know you could know. The Bible promises if you believe in the Son of God, you can know your sins are forgiven. You can know that you have eternal life, again, because of what Jesus did on the cross. Okay. That was a, that was a crucial time for me to get that verse.
2: Well, no one really deserves heaven, though, do they? No, they do but, not. you know, like... Mother Teresa deserve heaven more than a mass murderer. Or? Uh,
1: you, you know, here's here's the way. All right, Jackie. I grew up in Omaha. We're up in Minneapolis. Let's say you and I stand up, and we're going to see who can jump the furthest to Omaha. And I muster up all my strength and I jump eight feet, and you muster up your strength and you jump ten feet. Well, you can turn around and say, yeah, yeah, I'm closer than you are. We are both still 350 miles from Omaha. <laughs> you know, maybe Mother Teresa was better than Jack the Ripper. Okay, of course. But they're still so far short, it's only the grace of God that's going to save either of them. You know? Okay. Yeah.
2: So what will heaven be like? Is there, are there verses that describe
1: mm-hmm. yeah. in the Bible? Yeah, it does. Now, it doesn't give a full description. I, uh, I guess you would read the book of Revelation. That's a good... Uh, what we uh, Heaven will be a place of worship. There'll be no more tears. Uh, Paul says, now I know in part, then in heaven I shall understand fully. So we'll have full knowledge. We'll understand things up there. There won't be any sin up there to get to get tripped into. So we know it'll be wonderful. It'll be a place where we worship the Lord and there'll be no more sorrow. That's about all we know.
2: Okay. So you said there's varying degrees degrees of reward mm-hmm. can you explain that a little bit more well, I mean what
1: yeah one guy gets 10 cities the other guy gets five cities in the parable of the pounds if you remember that story from Luke 19 is it and then in first Corinthians 3 Paul talks about one two Christians they both are saved because they have Christ but one goes into heaven with great reward one goes in but losing his reward they both are saved and, and so what's the reward Well, I don't know. Somehow, but there will be varying rewards in heaven. I, you know, I doubt it's the size of your mansion, (laughs) but you know, maybe you'll get more responsibility in some way. I don't know, but that's, that's what it teaches.
2: Hmm. What are some of the misconceptions that people have about heaven?
1: Uh, People think when they die, they're going to become an angel. Hmm. Jesus never said that. He said, when you die, you will become like angels and that you'll be single. So you won't be married in heaven. We'll be like the angels who are unmarried. And, and the reason for that, Jackie, is nobody dies in heaven, so we don't have to repopulate it with kids all the time. So that's one of the misconceptions. There's nothing in that Bible about having a halo or wings. Even the, the Bible doesn't say the angels have wings. This, this is, Some of this is Bugs Bunny cartoons, you know. So.
2: You know what, Tom? Hmm. You just took my next two questions and <laughs> answered <laughs> that, that I wanted to ask you about. Okay. And that was... The, um, about do they have wings okay. and the halo?
1: And well, you know, the seraphim have wings in, what is that, Isaiah 5, is it, or 4? Um, and they're flying around. And so they did, but there, that was not necessarily, well, maybe there are, you know, who knows on some of this stuff. But often angels look like humans because the Hebrew says, be careful how you treat strangers. It could be an angel.
2: Okay. Where exactly is heaven? Do we know?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, here's the deal. I, as some more liberal people kind of mock Christians when they pray looking up. Jesus prayed looking up. It says Jesus looked up to heaven and he prayed. Um, but they'll, you know, they'll say, well, of course, heaven is in a different planet or a different plane. Uh, well, you know, who knows? Maybe heaven is out in outer space somewhere. It may, you know who knows so i don't think any jesus ascended up into heaven in in at the end of his life if you remember uh, he is, and they all are looking up in heaven and the angels say he's going to come back down the same way he went up so i don't think anything's wrong with saying he's up heaven is up there somewhere now is that a different plane or a different planet i don't know
2: okay <laughs> do you think god will ever i mean when we get to heaven will we be surprised i mean i, I guess
1: i you know i think what, what does Paul say? Uh, um, Paul got caught up to heaven before he died, and he got to see paradise, and he says, you cannot utter the things, words that were said up there. I mean, it, you can, he, he heard things he cannot utter on earth. It's going to be incredible. It's going to be so incredible.
2: Okay. Are people in heaven now, or are do they have to wait for judgment day mm-hmm. to go yep. to heaven?
1: I, I got a, a phone call from one mm-hmm. of our viewers who was confused, and he said... I, what do you mean, aren't they supposed to be raised on Judgment Day, aren't they sleeping until Judgment Day? And I said, both are true. You immediately go to heaven because Jesus said to the thief on the cross, today you'll be with me in paradise. And remember, like I just said, Moses and Elijah were alive and talking to Jesus at the Transfiguration. They weren't sleeping. And so I think your soul or your spirit goes to heaven right away, but your, your body, you don't get your perfect new body till Judgment, till judgment Day. I, I think my grandma is in heaven but I don't think she has her perfect new resurrection body in which she will live for eternity. So she'll be raised and given that new body on the last day. But I think her soul's in heaven. That's the way I put all that together. Other Christians disagree. Some of this is not super clear.
2: (laughs) Okay. So I guess, will we know everything when we're in heaven then? Yes,
1: uh, 1 Corinthians 13. Now I know in part, then I shall understand fully. I think you'll understand why your five-year-old daughter died. I think you'll understand how God can predestine everything and then still hold us accountable. I mean, some of these difficult things will be resolved.
2: Okay, we've talked about sinning. When we get to heaven, will we still be tempted to sin? No,
1: because we'll have a new nature. Our sin nature, hallelujah, is gone. We don't have to battle our flesh anymore. That's what makes heaven heaven, is we'll be so in love with God, we won't be into this stuff that has destroyed us on earth. (laughs) Yeah.
2: Okay. Are people ever cast out of heaven?
1: Uh, Not not people. You know, the the fallen angels were cast down, and the angels that rebelled were cast down. But the the new heavens and the new earth, hallelujah, when it's over, it's over. You're there for eternity. You never get thrown out of heaven.
2: Okay. Tom, this question comes from a child. Okay. Are there animals in heaven?
1: (sighs) You know... I remember, Jackie, when I was five years old, I accidentally killed our dog. (laughs) You remember that story? I told it in a children's sermon one, and I was told that was not a good story to tell in church. But I I I actually, my parents told me not to take Tiny on top of the picnic table, and I did, and Tiny fell over and died. And Dad, I remember, I was five. Dad and I stood over little Tiny's grave. We dug a hole in the strawberry patch and buried Tiny, and Dad assured me that Tiny's in heaven. (laughs) <laughs> well, it was he right? He, here's the thing. I don't know. You know, I'm, I'm guessing because animals don't have eternal souls, I don't think you'll see Fido in heaven, you know. But on the other hand, only the Lord knows. So I think I would say to a kid who's killed his dog, um, you know, God will take care of, of Tiny Tommy. God will take care of him. And then just leave it to the Lord.
2: <laughs> well, I, you know, I think that... It's an interesting thought, but I, I think we're going to have so much more in heaven yeah. than yeah. we won't be worried about a Amen. Missing dog. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to
1: say, when people say, "What well, Pastor, will I see my dog in heaven? I'm going to, I feel like saying, it's not going to matter. You're going to be so caught up in the beauty of the Lord. You're not going to look around for your poodle, you know, mm-hmm. so, yeah.
2: You know, we've only got about a minute and a half left. And, you know, God has done so many great things with this ministry. and. Yeah you know, it's kind of nice to let people know what has happened. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we've expanded yeah, we and have. we've grown. Yeah. Why don't you give a little update sure. to our listeners?
1: Well, everybody, uh, <clears throat> about, uh, let's see, five years ago, we uh, were just on in Minneapolis. And, and about five years ago, we went on nationally. So now people all over the country, anybody that gets Direct TV or Dish Network gets our TV show. We're also on locally in Minneapolis, and we pay the money to be locally on in. If I can do it all, Duluth, the Quad Cities, Rochester, Minnesota, Wichita, Omaha. Um, I'm probably missing maybe something, but but just so we're on kind of all over, we get wonderful letters and emails of people that that say thank you for taking a stand, and and so I just want to thank you. Without your giving, this wouldn't happen because it's expensive and so i want to just encourage you to pray for our ministry pray that people will come to christ through this show if the lord nudges you to give to help us expand you can go to pastorstudy.org two s's and you can see our tv shows for free there urge your friends to see but you can donate online or you'll see an address in a minute and you can send a gift but yeah i i jackie i didn't know that we would be sitting here doing this today because We've been doing this for a long time, but it's expensive now, and praise the Lord, He He brings in the money and he, he keeps us alive.
2: <laughs> Thanks for being with us. We'll see you next time.
0: Thank you for watching the Pastor Study. You can watch more of our programs at pastorstudy.org. We are on the air preaching the gospel of Christ because of our generous support of you, our viewers. Would you consider supporting our ministry?